the Skyflow Stoics podcast where presenters Robert Kuhn and Colin Hay present ancient Stoic philosophy to modern ears in the hope that people may find some inner freedom. Welcome everybody back to season two of the Scotland Stoics podcast. My name is Robert Keenan. I'm going to be a host today. I have got one of my favourite guests back on. Can you please introduce yourself, Casey Pierce? I am Casey Pierce. I am an editor of 365 Ways, content editor on Verissimus. I'm an author. Um, and uh, let's see, I'm now uh, the director, one of the directors of Plato's Academy Centre in Athens. Excellent. We're going to discuss all those topics in due course. But before we do that, Casey, what's been happening with you since the last time I seen you? <laughs> How much time? Is this going to be a three-hour podcast? Give us an overview because obviously I know we're going to be discussing lots of it. So, um, well, so, since since we spoke last, um, Verismus has wrapped up in production and it is um, going to be released in June and it's available for pre-order now. Um, you can order pre-order at Amazon, um, St. Martin's Press, um, and Macmillan, um, any of those websites, you can pre-order it. It's very exciting. Uh, and then I received a wonderful opportunity to edit 365 Ways to Be More Stoic for CBT therapist and author Tim LeBon. And um, I've again, I've since become... Uh, one of the directors for Plato's Academy Center, which is a nonprofit venue that promotes philosophy as a way of life. Excellent, Casey. We'll get into a little bit more detail about that in due course, so thanks. Um, since I um, seen you last, I've obviously been keeping up to date with your Instagram posts and things that you've been doing throughout the world. Um, I've been quite uh, intrigued to see some of your traveling of lately. And especially, oh, yeah, especially during the pandemic, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you came over to Europe and you were both, uh, I seen that you went to London. I was actually going to go down to that event, but uh, situational factors meant I couldn't get there. So um, you were in London and you were also in Athens um, doing a lot of work. So could I ask you a question? Both of them are popular capital cities throughout yeah, Europe. What did you find culturally different about the two and what did you like about the two cities? Uh, culturally different? Oh, yeah, there's there's quite a bit. I think... Um, uh, when even when you're in Athens, um, there's something still very much more metropolitan um, about London. Um, and I, well, I was in places like uh, Notting Hill, where it had much more of a village vibe. Um, yeah. um, and then in Athens, it's it's a surreal experience in Athens because you are in a city, a major city like Chicago or Detroit, but you know you're you are undeniably in the ancient world i mean you walk around these shopping centers and you look up and there's the acropolis you know you're you're at the foothills of it and it's it's a very surreal experience and it's something that um i mean where else can you get that you know um but i did love my time in london but it's funny about london is that for americans in our minds Still, and actually, I watched last night in Soho, and it's kind of a testament to this. Americans, when you say London, we think it's still the swinging 60s. 
we imagined that sort of fashion, that music, and um, because that was, you know, the height of London was the 60s. And of course, films like Austin Powers, things like that. So that's... Thinking directly out of Austin Powers, and that, the opening scene, I think it's the second one, and he's done about London, we were the, the, the Technicolors and, and all that uh, jazz. So yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, so that's kind of what I expected when I showed up. <laughs> but, right, well, it's the same with Athens. When I when I think of Greece, I think of, like, uh, you know, a really ancient world. Like, people yeah. are still living in, like, these tiny little villages in, in the hills and things like that, which they do, but it's not like that at all. You know, it's, it's really modern. So, um, but yeah, that was the funny, it was surreal, too, being on the Thames River um in london because you know you hear so much about it and um it's it, it's one of those things where you know I, and i've heard about it in songs like you know um you know the kinks sing about it waterloo sunset sunset one of my favorite songs that's not my favorite kink song you know. yeah it's a beautiful song and uh and i <laughs> i've since become obsessed with tower bridge which i didn't know wasn't actually london bridge but yeah. it is according to Google, but it's not really, it's Tower Bridge. Um, and just being able to even just go underneath that on a, a ship, I'm just like, this is a surreal experience. So both were very surreal for me. And I'm very, very uh, um, uh, grateful that I got to do these things during the pandemic. It's crazy. You know, I saw more of the world than I did in any other day in my life, you know? So. Yeah. It's, I've never been to Athens yet. What was it like going to um, to see where the kind of the birthplace of uh, stoicism, that's called type under like Oh, that. the sto- the stoicoly. Yeah, um, yeah. That was uh, that. That's in the middle of it's around Plaka, yeah, and yeah. Um, that was surreal as well. Like um, I'm obsessed with like touching old things. I'm like, oh my yeah. gosh, like that's really cool. Um, I hope that they, I know they've done some excavation there and you can see it, yeah. um, but still it re, it's a reminder that you're in an urban area because there's graffiti and everything. Intentional based data, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that was, that was really cool to see. Um, yeah. Uh, they did, they now they do have a Stoa Atalu um, that yeah. is a replica of the Stoa and um it's that's i mean it's a museum and you know it's a replica but still when you if you still feel like you're walking in the footsteps of philosophers when you walk along it and um you know you get to see all these busts of the greats you know like um socrates and you know everybody it's it's really cool yeah it sounds cool i need to get over there soon as you know i'd really like to go to, to witness it myself yeah for you it's probably i mean it's a cheap flight right yeah, but to, here you need to fly from uh, Glasgow to Bristol to Bristol over the Athens. It's quite straightforward. Uh, gotcha. So we uh, flew from uh, Detroit into Frankfurt. Yeah, yeah. And then Frankfurt to Athens. Yeah. That sounds excellent. I'll definitely need it one uh, over there in due course, you know. Yeah. I'm going to go off topic now and ask you something completely different. Um, so I know for obviously we've seen you and speaking to you as well that um you've been back to school again. Uh, yeah. Tell us a wee bit more about that and tell us what it entails, what you've been up to and how you get on with it. 
So uh, I am I'm proud to say that I'm part of the Honor Society. So that's cool. I've kept my, my grades up. But I'm um, this year, if everything goes well, I should have my bachelor's in uh, business leadership. And then I go on to my master's, which will be in global management, uh, which is fitting since I'm the director of an international nonprofit. Um, and I'm now a part of also the Orange Grove Incubator Program. And Orange Grove is also based, based out of Athens. Um, and what they do is they hold your hand through the opening of a startup. Um, and it helps a lot, too, because I get to learn about like international business and or how business is conducted in Greece. And so I do that every Monday. It's a 24-week program. So I'm doing that on top of my studies. And the, I'm really grateful, too, because my college has agreed to give me credit for that. So they're going to give me about uh, six credits for doing the incubation program since it does coincide with my business program. So, so the backdrop that I incubate program is that they, they help you get through the process of starting up a new business. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but you have to interview for it. Okay. And uh, so you have to have a presentation ready and um, there's a, a lot of people that have um, really great ideas. Um, there are a lot of products. So I'm the anomaly. It's more of a venue because they, you know, keep referring to products and, um, you know, cost of making these products and things like that. And they're all very eco-conscious, which is cool. Um, but then I've had to sort of ask questions like, well, how would you tailor that for our business? Um, but uh but it, it, they're, they're really good at what they do. And it's, again, that's Orange Grove. And you can find out more about them at orangegrove.edu. Thanks, Casey. That's interesting. So other than that, how's the studies going? The uh, they're, they're going well. Um, most of my classes are critical thinking classes. Um, and it's... Um, Sometimes I feel like in business, especially when it comes to management, it's sort of rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat for me anyway. Um, but uh, I've been doing all of it online. Um, and since the pandemic, uh, all of the classes are available online. So that's great. So I, I work, you know, um, I'm at schoolwork wherever I am. But the interesting thing is I have to keep up with like, um, what when you're in Athens, that's a seven hour difference from Detroit. So it is literally night and day. So when something's due yeah. that day or that night, I have to like, you know, try to get my studies done ahead of time. But uh, yeah, I have to account for that too. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but I'm I'm really excited about uh, getting my bachelor's this year. And it's I'm a part of like the, um, they call it a plus one program, okay. where you just roll into your master's program and it's. Um, if you're on schedule, it's uh, uh, only around like one more year. So, okay. So you're going to add, it'll be completed this year coming in. That'll be you. Yeah. Yeah. God willing. <laughs> yeah. Good. Good. Now nah, you're doing well. If you do, you find that um, slope techniques have helped you get through this up to now. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Epictetus is my guy. Just you know, do what you got to do. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, you're gonna get it done. You know, don't uh, try to saturate yourself in the present feeling. It's tough. I mean, if it wasn't tough, everyone would do it. Yeah. But you're going to do it because you've done everything else that you wanted to do. Why not this? Absolutely. I do a lot of work on about recovery-based stuff. And I use those techniques um, in recovery-based environments. 
And I always say to people, you know, it's like anything in work, anything that's worthwhile in life is it's painful, it's hard to attribute. You know, I mm-hmm. use it a lot, it's the, the analogies are about um like a runner, a marathon runner, you know, it's like it's the hardest thing that you do, you know, you hit the wall at twelve twenty two, twelve twenty three. But when you go over that finish line, you know, that sense of achievement and well being is, is absolutely second to none. You know, and I yes. myself, yep. you know. And it would feel worse. It would feel worse if you didn't achieve that. No, exactly. I think I think regret is more painful. Absolutely. So when you and I've done it before myself in the past, where I've been out training and I've and I've stopped running and I've bent myself up for not for not for continuing it, you know, because I'd rather keep pushing on even though when fatigue and tiredness kicks in, and it's like that we have different in life, you know, and that's what stoicism massively helps me when I've been through yeah. and suffering. I always just keep going because I know that the end result will be okay no matter what, you know. Right. And if, if you're resilient enough, I mean, the body adapts. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's just like with, with weight training, you know, yeah. I mean, you shouldn't be so foolish as to you know, start off heavy, but you have to put a healthy amount of stress on yourself, a healthy amount each time uh, in order to get anywhere. Yeah, um, yeah. Cool. and I, which reminds me, I had a wonderful opportunity of speaking or hosting a series of workshops for this uh, group of women uh, into fitness. Um, it's for turtle.com, T R T L. Um, and it was, you know, Live Like Louise? No, I'm not seeing it. Well, no. Okay, so this is her program. Yeah. And uh, Scott Flair, who, um, he owns Rugby Warfare. It's a, a clothing line. Um, but he invited me to host these workshops for them on mental resilience and fitness um, because I had lost 100 pounds in my past using stoic yeah. techniques. Um, and that was wonderful. You know, I got to uh, learn more about, uh, I think, well, the thing was, uh, these women for, were from all walks of life. And it didn't have to do with just fitness. And a lot of their questions were very interesting. And I learned more about myself, I think, in the end. Um, But those workshops were a lot of fun. And I would make uh, handouts for them. And each day was, or each workshop was a different philosopher uh, that we focused on. Um, And when it comes to like the body adapting and finding, excuse me, strength through power or using, um, uh, you, how would how did I put it? Um, pushing through, um, you know, adversity and pain and getting driving power from it. pushing through that body. Yeah, we talked. Yep, we talked about Marcus Aurelius, and yeah. so I wanted to get them to embrace discomfort. Was the theme for that? Yeah, and um, how you get used to it, and sometimes just welcome it because you know that it's pain is another opportunity to achieve something yeah yeah it's like it's a market really sport where the obstacles are waiting to the stands the way becomes the way you know and if you see that yes. as a drive and a goal through fitness you know for me it's it's paramount in my life you know just for mental well-being you know it's like i always train no matter what twice a day you know um, yeah and i know you do too you know and it's, yep you have to sort of do this cognitive rehearsal of what it would be like to achieve the things that you wanted so it's like an eye on the prize kind of mentality. Aye, aye. And, it, and it works, you know, and, and they go and, and see, I know you'll know it yourself, also losing a hundred pounds, but the fitness aspect of that and the, you know, the results you get to that is that you see the results happening, not overnight, 
but they do over a period of time, you know, they accumulate, you know, mark small marginal gains and you see the weight coming off, you feel better about yourself, your mental well-being, you've got more energy levels, all these kind of things. Right. And I think what we do a lot of times, and I've talked about this in an article um, and what I told those girls is that we psych ourselves out before we start. And the reason that we stop, start, stop, start dieting or any sort of fitness goal is because we perceive it as a mountain that needs to be climbed. And this is why I think some motivational posters are uh, (laughs) really got it wrong when they show a guy standing on top of a mountain. That's how you feel at the end. But um, to see it as a mountain, I mean, it, it's what you perceive. It's what you make it. So if you were to, let's say, lose 100 pounds, well, that's three digits. That looks very intimidating on paper. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. if you were to knock that down to 90, okay, so you've taken power away from it there. And then you figure, well, if I do, like, let's say it's low carb, low carb, train like three to four times a week, then I can lose on average maybe six to eight pounds a month. So let's round that up to 10. So yeah. you've got a little over nine months of this journey. If you stick to it to accomplish a goal, well, yeah. then it doesn't sound so bad at all, does it? Well, then it wasn't so bad to begin with. No, I agree with that. I agree with that. I'm actually being, I'm on, I'm on a similar journey than you actually agree with that because um, just like most people, Christmas came and went, you stand on the scales and I went, oh my God. <laughs> I was, up to, I was up to 91 kilos, right? And I knew, I knew, right? I was overindulgent, yeah, you know. The virtue, oh, yeah, we virtue, all did it. Uh, the virtuous uh, idea of self-restraint wasn't there for about three weeks or maybe four, maybe longer. Right. And, uh, when I hurt the scales, I was in, up at 91 kilo. But then I, I came back to basics, especially school basics, around about, um, uh, you know, self-control and... Um, and what I did is I just I went on a veget on a vegetarian diet. Um, I don't know. Do you ever heard of the seventy five challenge before? No. No, it's a it's a thing online that I checked up, and it's like you need to drink four liters of water a day. We don't need to suggest four liters of water a day. Um, go on to a diet, but you must stick to the diet. No cheat days, you know. So um, read ten pages of a development book. So that's easy. I just read lots of stuff on philosophy, which I do mm-hmm. anyway most days anyway. Um, and the other aspect is to train 45 minutes indoor and 45 minutes outdoor. Uh, so it's quite a, it's quite a tall task to ask to do. And you need yeah. to give um, updates of your progress. So we had a WhatsApp group where we were adding to that and, and letting people know the progress. But where that's is nice. it? It's really good. It's, so it's that role models, accountability stuff, you know, stuff that's all littered throughout the, the teaching of stoicism. I was just going to say accountability really helps too if you've got somebody doing it with you. And yeah. do that in a short period of time. I'd, I'd lost half a stone in a week, you know, because I oh, that's wonderful. I cut out junk food. I cut out. Um, I cut out sugar. Uh, not sugar isn't isn't that salty or sugar and coffee, but I mean, uh, like chocolate crisps, fizzy juice, stuff that I overindulged in over Christmas period. And yeah, anything that's going to spike your insulin. Yeah, yeah, but you know yourself. Yeah. When you cut that out, your energy levels just go through the roof. I, I feel so much, and my mental well-being so much better when I do it. know because you know the you know this they say if you if you fill your body with junk, you're only that's where you you perceive the world as well. You know, right, right, yeah. Because I remember um, now when I had first set out on that journey, it was like my blood sugar did take a dive for two yeah. weeks, but I knew that it would, and so. Again, I wrote, I wrote it out knowing that my body will eventually level out and adapt because I was detoxing 
Yeah. You know, and I remember my first cheat day, right? So it was three months into the diet and I'm like, oh, I deserve it. So I remember I went and got one of like a frozen cappuccino. And the damnedest thing is that it didn't taste the same because I was detoxed. I could taste every chemical that was in it. It tasted like what I think Windex would taste like. And then I went and I ate a bag of Cheetos and it tasted like chlorine. Yeah, yeah. And it was, and I got very sick by the end of the day. And it was just a testament to, wow, this is like, I can now taste what is truly in this um, food for the masses, food supply kind of thing, you know, processed carbs and things like that. But also I think what helps is that is accepting where you are. Like you said, when you weighed in and you were like, oh man, you know, I, I gained weight. Um, some people try as hard as they can to immediately get it off. You know, like it's a, it's a demon or something. It's like, okay, you are where you are. If you set out on this diet as a means to an end, yeah, yeah. then you're not going to have the lasting results. And I, it's such, so cliche to say, it's not a diet, it's a lifestyle, but it yeah. is true to, to an extent. Like if, I mean, if you're like training for a wedding or something and you want to lose like an extra five pounds, you know, in like three weeks, I mean, that's fine. But it's like, if you try to do that, like, I want to lose like 30 pounds in one month and then, okay, let's say you do, let's say you just starve yourself or, you know, what have you. Number one, you're going to look like an elephant skin rug because you're going to burn off all your muscle. And then you're going to be very sick. You're not going to look great anyway. And then you're just going to, as soon as you, you know, have that McDonald's or whatever, it's going to come all right back. So what was it all for? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Good platform. Mm-hmm. so that, that's another thing too that people have a hard time to accept accepting um is you know and not being a means to an end like oh i can't wait till this diet's over and you know i'm saying this because these are things i have to tell myself yeah, yeah. you know uh but intermittent fasting has um been a lot less pressure i've been doing that for yeah, three you years yeah and i feel like it's allowed me too. Number one, you appreciate food more when yeah. you have those fasting windows. And then once you do break your fast, um, you know, people are like, oh, you probably just eat everything in sight. Not really. Your body fills up pretty fast. No. So it feels like involuntary calorie control. And I mean, it does things like reverses the aging process. You know, um, I don't know if you follow um, Simland on Instagram, but he is a stoic, but he's also really into fitness. And he's got a couple books on biohacking and he talks about how it reverses the aging process. And people are like, well, how, how is that? Well, we have these organelles in our body that stay with us. Um, And if there's no overturn of the cells, then it just gradually slows you down and that's how you age. And that's how you get a little little slower, you know, Um, little few more wrinkles or what have you but your body will start to cannibalize itself yeah yeah if when during your fasting window and those organelles are forced to die off and renew so you're always renewing your cells your skin looks better you feel better you've got more energy yeah and the longer the fast you get the the better that is isn't it yeah yeah now it's not for everybody and I, i am not a medical professional at all so i mean talk to your doctor first but um for me I, I have more energy when I fasted I think clearer so I do a lot of my work and I work out fasted as well and uh, I go right into my schoolwork. I'm you know nothing bogs me down 
And um, so right now my eating window is, because I like to eat late, um, five to eight. So that, but 5 p.m. to 8 p.m.? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then the rest of it, you'll just stop there and then go right through. Yep. 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 That took me a while to work up to. So anybody who's interested in it, I would suggest starting at 16, eight, 16 yeah. hours fasted. Um, if you feel like you can't handle that, even 12, 12 is a good place to start. Split yeah. the day in half. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's good. 16, eight, 12, and quite a few things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Most people do. Yeah. So it's still good. But you know, the thing that the aspect of when you relate it to philosophy is good for self-discipline as well. Absolutely. Yeah. You learn, you learn how to, to uh, cope with hunger and yeah. you know like marcus says it's just a feeling and it goes away yeah people don't realize when they feel that hunger pang yeah. now i'm not suggesting starve yourself stay hydrated but when you're first starting um you know if you can write it out and keep yourself distracted you don't even realize like oh it went away well yeah because your body adapts yeah it's that saying isn't it? you're only an impression and you do not what you see you know and it's, it's true Mm-hmm. Because um, and it doesn't. It, what it represents, you know, when I get those uh, ideas of being like overly hungry, it's it's not. It's false. It's just it's just my sugar levels maybe dropped off. You know, right? It's it's just your body saying, "Hey, it's not we're, true. we're not used to it." Yeah, yeah. It's a it's just a feeling and not at all what it represents or what you think it represents. You know, if you assign value to it, then you're going to say, you know, well, that means I need to eat. Well, you know. Slow down there. Let's give it an hour and drink some water. And do you still feel the same way? Well, no. Well, then you're not going to die. I've been. It's actually going to prolong your life longer if you're doing less. You know? Right. And as a society, we're very self-indulgent and, um, to, you know, with food as well. And that's why, especially in the United States, you see a lot of morbidly obese people because we have not, like Europe, uh, banned things like trans fats, hydrogenated oils, and um, aspartame, and you know things that are bloating us up as a nation. But and we don't realize that when we eat these things, consume these things, um, you know, it's a spike in our insulin. So I always joke that Thanksgiving is like the family getting high, <laughs> all getting high together. But but the, but the science has been proven that there's truth in that. You know, there is truth in that because we all lay around. Like, eight uh, times addictive. They're saying the sugar's up to eight more times addictive than uh, heroin. You know what I mean? That's insane. You know, because you like that feeling, especially yeah. around Christmas time. You know, yeah. um, so as long as you see a means to an end there, like I'm not going to eat like this the rest of the year, um, then you're good. So it, it, you know, I mean, it, it, yeah. So I always try to say that that's people don't realize like when you spike your insulin you keep doing it your pancreas wants it wants it more more and more and more and then you just become resistant and your pancreas is like please stop yeah. and then you're like oh i'm borderline diabetic yeah yeah but i found it yeah. when you say it's previous to that when you were when you were off the foods for a while the, or the junk food and then you tried doritos and you tried the the was it the cappuccino and mm-hmm. then you were saying you could taste the different component parts of it no, you know yourself and the quotes in the meditation, Marcus Fredericks talks about that. We mm-hmm. we wine, um, we different animals that are dead and seen and break them down to the component parts of what they are. Instead of yeah. attributing, attributing um pleasure from that, see for what it is, see the impression what that really is in front of you, you know. Yeah. And it's the same way with let's say all vices, like sex, for example. You know, 
And again, about overindulgence, we've got so many people that, and maybe not even knowingly, that yeah. are sex addicts yeah, yeah. and have a hard time having a relationship with somebody else because they're so used to that that feeling that high and then you know once you know they've climaxed they find themselves very depressed and it's a downward spiral yeah yeah you know and it's and it's uh it's a problem it's a problem and it's hard for people to talk about but we need to talk about it because you know there's some people that just can't you know handle things like pornography and uh again it all goes back to self-indulgence and it all goes back to um you know uh you know being in control yeah so or lack of lack of control that's the thing yeah yeah mm-hmm. yep. it's, all, it's all about you gotta be self-disciplined yeah attributed to it mm-hmm. i feel interesting to discuss that because it is it's and it's and what people find and i know my experiences run about addiction was that um, I would be chasing um, the likes of alcohol, drug, even females, and oh, you know, it's, it's, it's another part of it, but more importantly, the drink, the drugs aspect. And I would get high on the anticipation of getting that rather than the actual act of getting it. So getting the high was like, the, the biggest high was actually before you got the high. Does that make sense to you? Yes. So when I was, mm-hmm. I would get buzzed up about getting the drugs, but then when I took the drugs into my system, it wasn't the same. It was just I was wanting to get it. You get that just, with gamble, j- just like that that cappuccino and that, that bag of Cheetos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then it's the same with, with, with sex and all. You want to get the ghetto, you get the ghetto, then you have sex with ghetto, and then you, you as you say, you, you come to ejaculation, you go, ah, yeah, it's because when you come down from the high, you realize yeah. that that a, yeah, you know, you uh, you're lonely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you're trying to mask that, or B, if it's like drugs, you're like, uh, I'm trying to mask the fact that there's something in my life and I'm really not happy about. Absolutely. You know, so, uh, yeah. No, it's an interesting. And, well, and again, embracing discomfort is all about facing uh, your demons or learning how to cope with them. The For me, it's that delaying of the gratification, like you get it way through, um, through intermittent fasting. Mm-hmm. Yes. Same similar, similar things with myself with the food. You know, I'll have some porridge rather than having some bacon. You know, I will have so uh, I will cut meat out my diet rather than uh, take some potatoes and what's very basic meal. And every time I delay that gratification, when I have that food, I feel better myself for having it. Yes, and you you appreciate it more. And people don't realize that when you achieve that level of self control, yeah. um, it starts a snowball, and you feel more motivation. Well, if I can do that, if you can tolerate hunger, you can do anything. And I always say that. Um, so I don't want people to get it wrong either that I'm advocating starving because I'm not. No, you know, if you're hungry, eat for God's sakes. But uh, I'm just telling you the benefits in my experience of intermittent fasting. No, what you're advocating there is self-discipline. It's a different thing altogether, you know. Right, and right. That delayed gratification through self-discipline, you get it gets greater rewards, you know. And I know that myself through marathon training. I know that through um, being into a ring boxing training, where I had to lose weight to get in a certain weight for a fight, and then having that fight and coming through. It doesn't matter if I won, a loser, or a drew, or a drew. The feeling I go for participating and going through that hardship and pain. You know, um, made my character a lot stronger, but I felt so much good about myself. 
And it's like historically, when whether the whether the Stoics um, always relate um, relate back to is uh, the, you know the, the fables of uh, Hercules and the trials and tribulations he went through. You know, it's, yes, uh, it spoke about in um, Donald Robertson's book. You know, the, the Roman Emperor, the the one about Marcus Aurelius. You know, yeah, how to think? Yeah, so which there's a, a um, Hercules choices uh, illustrated in Verissimus yeah. as well. Yeah, and he got he get. It's like the you know the film The Matrix. They got offered the the red pill and the blue pill. You know, two different um, goddesses came from. One offered them a life of pleasure. The other one gave him a, a thing with hardship, and he took the hardship. And it's a hardship that people still speak about his trials and tribulations to this day. Also, mm-hmm. they like historical figures like Mahatma Gandhi. You've got um, Nelson Mandela. These people who went through lots of like Stoic example, James Stockdale. You could go through Cato the Younger. You know, even Marcus Aurelius to the to the degree that he went through and faced in, in his lifetime. Yeah, well, I mean, that's why we look to these people as aspiring role models. You know. Yeah, like Cato, Cato the Younger. He said, you know, um, if if the shrine says, you know, or the oracle says we're going to lose the battle, I'm still going to fight Caesar because it's the right thing to do. It's yeah. not because you know I'm I'm scared. It's yeah. it's because I'm I'm going to do this whether or not because we're opposing a dictatorship. Yeah, yeah, and the, the the great thing about that man, why he's still to this day revered, is he actually took his own life because he believed in his ideals that much, you know. Mm-hmm. And I love that. You know, I think yeah. people are willing to go to that length. You know, that they're willing to put their ideals before their own life. You know, it's only something they can be admired. You know, and I always yeah. joke about this when I go to when I share in meetings because I, I go to twelve step recovery meetings. And uh, I help people through sponsorship work, you know, just that it's just part of the process of what we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I always joke with people that I work with, this is maybe remembers a guy who wrote about the guy who sat in the house and get drunk and watched some Netflix and abuse was abusive to his wife and kids and that. They don't write books about these people. They write about you know, they're not revered. They might write books about them, but they're not revered. But it's the people who who stand up to what they believe in. Uh, you know, and willing to give their life, you know, these are historical figures that are always going to be spoken about because it's something to be admired, you know, and that's what right. helps get through you know, that's trying to be the better version of me, you know what I mean, failing miserably a lot, but still trying because there's so many great positive role models we can look to, to, to be like that, you know, or try yes. to be like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, um, in speaking about um, addictions and things and delaying gratification, I wanted to address like social media. There's so many, like I, in the morning, I have my phone all the way across the room. Um, and I don't look at my phone for the first hours of the day. Um, and we've got issues of people saying, well, I'm taking a break from social media and they tell everybody about it. Yeah. And <laughs> it's like, it's saying, I, hey, you know, I, I'm Kay Spears and I'm an alcoholic. You know, that's, it's the same thing. Yeah. And the issue with that is, and what I think is um, leaving people more apt to be triggered is the self-aggrandizing that we do on social media and the feedback that we get from self-aggrandizing, like we're looking for white night comments, you know, uh, when we've had a bad day. We're suddenly publicly depressed yeah yeah and things like that so and we were looking for other strangers to sort of validate us and we get addicted to that yeah 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 and that that's a big problem too you know that people yeah. don't even realize you know and then so when somebody says something online 
like, uh, you know, doesn't agree with your statement about politics, you know, immediately they're triggered. You've yeah. been attacked. And that's where the Socratic method should come in. But, you know, I mean, that's, that's something that's widely popular right now. But uh, we can't have a rational conversation anymore because we are putting so much value in what strangers are saying online that it's controlling how we feel and how we feel in our waking lives, even when we're not online. And it's, it's insane to me, you know, like Marcus Aurelius says, Aurelius says, you don't have to have an opinion about this. Yeah. You don't yeah. even have to react. Yeah. You know, you, you, you don't have to. And um, yeah, people, people don't realize that. Well, I have to say something, you know, because, you know, you trying to defend your honor or what have you. It's like, no, you have to realize that there's, you know, more worthwhile causes in this world, you know, Syrian refugees in Turkey are just trying to get through the damn day, and you're worried about you know, uh, a Trump supporter, you know, stepping on your toes. Yeah. Like, come on! And people don't realize you're being very egotistical. Yeah. No, it's interesting that this when you were speaking, and I was getting my mind back to when I was uh, had an interview with Bill Irvine, and he talks about you know when when we're criticised, you know, it's like see, it's a good thing because it's it's a win-win situation either way. Somebody's either attacking your character, something flawed in your character. So therefore, you can improve it. Or what you can do is you can take on board what it says and reject it because you know that that doesn't attribute to who you are. So either way, you just you take insults as, as a pinch of salt, you know. Easier right. said than done at times. It depends how fragile I'm, I'm feeling that day. But, you know, but it's, it's an amazing feeling when you just let it go at the top of you, you know. Yeah. And what really puts things in perspective is things like the death meditation. And it's like, okay, so what went through your mind? Okay, you're dead. You flatlined. What what was your last thought? Was it on that guy who flipped you off in traffic? Was it, you know, somebody shooting their mouth on Twitter? Or was it the people you love the most? Well, okay. Well, if it mattered that much in death, then why doesn't it matter through your waking life? That's a good one. So they look at Vanilla you know, kind of yeah. the other kind of technique with the view from above, you know, it's like how serious you really want to take yourself, you know, picture yourself in your house and then picture yourself outside your street and then keep going out to your town and your and your, your surrounding areas, your country, the world, is, and then you see how small it really is and how insignificant your problems are at that particular time, you know, especially when about an insult that it is, it's so futile, you know. Yeah, a lot of the things that we think we're fighting for online we're not. We're just inflating our egos, yeah, flexing yeah. our flexing our opinion. No, all life's opinion. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, I mean, what somebody else thinks about you know, you know, anything else is. I mean, what other people think of you is none of your business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally, but it's an external. So yeah, absolutely. It's funny you say that because what you get over here in Scotland, you know, um, really, it's 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 insane at times. You know. So there's two major teams in Glasgow. You've got Glasgow Celtic, you've got Glasgow Rangers. And yeah, you have like gang violence over that kind of stuff. Times, right? So, I, so my perception of the team that I support is completely different to the perception of the person that I, I speak to on a daily basis. So me and him wind each other up about different aspects of your team. But it's the same thing that we're seeing. We're just seeing it through completely different sets of eyes. You know what I mean? And if you mm-hmm. relate that to anything that you know around about you in the world, whether you be a Trump supporter, whether you be supporting Biden, whether you supporting, you know, Democrats, Republic, you know, in, in, um, in Scotland, it's SNP, or whether you vote Labour, the Conservatives, 
only the difference is, is that each of these individuals and people collectively are seeing the world through a different set of lens, you know? Yeah. When you're retaliating back and trying to convince them, so you're never going to win that argument because it's it's ingrained in their values and it's hard to overturn people's values that they've been brought up with over a period of time, you know? Yeah, they're doing, like, no man does evil willingly. No, exactly, exactly. You know, they, they're, they're not, me- unless you do physical harm, they're not meaning malice they just think that well i i honestly believe that where yeah. i'm coming from is and i think who was it um uh, scott perry i was on his show and he made a good point he goes there's a lot of sociopaths out there right now who don't think they're sociopaths no of course not. Of course not. you know so that you got to have a certain level of empathy when it comes to those things i, I get it in the recovery community there's people in the recovery community who don't identify themselves as being alcoholic or addict but they're most definitely alcoholic or addict you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But the denials there, they don't they genuinely do not believe that they're, you know, when it's, right. it's it's shining, you know, or ripping right out. You know? Right, right. And that's, yeah, again, and that's where empathy comes in. It's like, don't, don't get frustrated with these people. You know, you're, they're going to have to come to their own realizations. And sometimes that's hard to watch, too. I mean, you can support all you want and try to, like, say, hey, you know, I think I'm going to slow down there. But, um, you know, that's one of those painful things in life. But it is challenging, but it's like, what you're saying, it's like, you know, the markets are really so that I am brutal for reading word for word quotes, but I, you get the, the, the gist of what I'm saying. So he talks about, you know, waking up in the morning and recognizing you're going to serve your fellow man and we're, we're here to work as Rosa Keith and so forth and so forth. And he says, mm-hmm. you're going to come up against the end, basic greedy, the so forth, but we're here to work together. You know, it's like, I know that's nowhere near as the quotes, but it's, but it's a, a it's a paraphrase as close as I can get to it. But yeah, the, it's but, like a premeditatio malorum. Of course it is, but the gist it is, because we've ex- been exposed to new ideas through new information through philosophy, right, we need to recognise that you and I have been obviously been blessed that we've, we've had that experience, but we need to recognise that most people haven't, you know? And, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, even though our truth it's just our truth to us. It might be different to them. You know, I mean, it's like I don't see any value in externals as much as I used to. You know, when I was younger, growing up, you know, you, you wanted a fast car, you wanted to, you wanted to have a nice house, you wanted, to, and these things are good. They're prepared for differences. I'm not saying that they're not good, mm-hmm. but I don't put value on them to as much as I used to. I value on the day and my character because I know that's totally within my power. You know, and I know that you have right. similar experiences with that. You know. And the great yeah. thing about having those experiences is you then can show them to others and hopefully they'll take on summer. And that's all about, and that's been what's massively in, in helped me in the last few years has been stoic philosophy because I've been exposed to those ideas, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Also, um, as it pertains to social media, I always say like your desire, and, and this is taking the virtuous route in order to preserve your virtues. Yeah. You can say to yourself, my desire for peace, love, and understanding has to exceed my desire to feel right. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I really like that. Again, things I have to tell myself every day. <laughs> so it's like, oh, I'm perfect, you know? Yeah, but, but that's a good thing. about It's that reset button. Isn't it? It's like every day I wake up and I go straight into, um, I do a, a, a daily review. I send that review over to a few friends, you know? It's not quite stoic, but it's as it's, it's close as you can get. You know, what did I do good? What did I not do so well? What am I still left undone? You know, that um, you know that kind of journaling uh, 
can't remember the, the, the thing they what's the name, the golden verses, that name it. Or you, I think you, so. What did you do well? What did you not do so well? And what did you left undone? You know, right? Yeah, that's a that's a very there's a CBT practice as well. Yeah, CBT practice. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I try and um, I try and do that most days, and then I go straight into reading um, the Daily Stoic, and then I'll read some uh, Jonas uh, Salzberg's book. You know, with uh, his exercises at the back. So I'm I'm instantly getting myself into that mindset because see, when I don't do that, I go back to a default setting. But I can say, ah, oh, this place is a shit is it? Can't really be bothered at my bed, you know. Can't be mm -hmm. bothered. And I need to constantly um renew that into my life. And I probably you probably would imagine we'd be doing something similar, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh again, um it's it's one of those things where you sort of have to accept the past. Maybe you had a shit day, you know, maybe you didn't act virtuous, you know, like you wanted to, but you can't dwell on that either you have to own it and say this is what happened what could now now it's time to say what's next which stoics are always asking what can i do from this point on to make sure that doesn't happen again or um how how could i have coped better things like that but some people just stay in that element of sort of feeling sorry for themselves you know like oh i really messed up okay yeah you did all right so that, that was past but yeah. you know, deep down, you're a good person. You had a crap day. Oh, well, yeah. you know, don't, uh, don't expect perfection or you're going to, you're not going to get it. <laughs> you're going to, um, you know, go, go through this spiral again of depression, you know, beating yourself up and things like that. Um, but so long as you're striving to be better each day, you know, that's virtuous. Yeah. And I think that's all we can ask is, is to try to be better, you know, you say, Especially when the, when life can be that bit more challenging, you know. Um, which I'm probably going to discuss a couple of things actually that's happened in the past few years, but we'll, I'll move on a bit because I don't know if we've been off on a massive tangent there, but it was excellent. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's all right. No, no, it was excellent, it was really good. Um, can I want to ask you before, um, because I've I noticed the time, uh, we've been on, we're on one subject, or maybe a wee bit longer than 20, but that's okay. So, tell me more about the Plato Academy, yeah. Because I, I need to know, right? Because obviously, when I was in, uh, I went through college, you know, and I learned a lot about Plato and I learned about media forms and different aspects of the philosophy. Some of it I'm agreement with, I'm more obviously swayed to the, the Stoic kind of teachings. And um, so, tell me what you know about Plato, and uh, tell me how you get involved with the academy. Ah, uh, so uh, Plato's Academy was. Um, it's when Donald Robertson first went to, to the original um, location of Plato's Academy, which is um, in Academia Platonos, um, he, it was surreal being on the grounds and you could see the ruins and things like that. And there's like a bust of Plato, but there's nothing like generally marking, this is a very historical site. Um, so he thought, wouldn't it be great to have a venue adjacent to the historical site that promoted, you know, philosophy as a way of life, and it could be a nonprofit center, uh, which we are, and so any organization that aligns with the values of Plato's Academy, um, I mean, that's, it's an opportunity to host their events and, um, you know, do these charitable things within the community. Also, it's, uh, it's great for the area, you know, we want to bring, we want to 
keep jobs in Greece. Um, and we want to really build up Academia Platinos uh, because it it's a nice area, um, but it it could use a little more development. And I know that the mayor has a development plan um, and we've been talking to him as well. Um, so it is a very exciting time. So um, the Aurelius Foundation is one of our sponsors, um, just instead um, of Radley um, Company, um, yeah. he had set up. So, but uh, in terms of Plato, I have, I have to admit that um, I don't know much about that philosophy as it contrasts to Stoicism, but um, Plato's Academy was where people were allowed to have these kinds of discussions, you know, in a, in a Socratic way, you know, in a rational way. Yeah. No, it's interesting. Is um, Do you, are you going to be going to Athens a lot more then? Obviously, do Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're, I think we're going back in about March. Things are a little crazy right now with COVID because um, the Omicron cases um, saw a big spike over Christmas, which we knew they would. Yes. Um, I don't know if it's like Erica is bad over there just now, yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's the same here. It's a bit crazy, but yeah. But again, we knew these would spike over Christmas. Um and yeah, yeah, in the winter. Yeah, all, all diseases do, you know. Um or excuse me, not diseases, but you know, things like the flu. Um yeah. But uh yeah, we'll go back in March, so that that'll be great. And uh, we've been working closely with um, the American School of Athens as well, the American School of Classical Studies, um, who have Cotton Hall, and they've been helping us as well. They're one of our sponsors. Ah, good. You're doing really well with that. I'm going to come back. I actually made ask a question previous to this. How is the how is the graphic novels getting on? And or the graphic novel, you're going to pronounce it first again because I can never pronounce it properly. Ver. Yeah. Isimus. So Verissimus. Right. So, so Verissimus was... June, the, as soon as it not? Or is it not in June. In June. June. Well, you can pre-order it now. But yeah. uh, Verissimus was the name that, uh, the nickname Hadrian gave Marcus. Right. And it yeah. means most, the truest of all. Yeah. Because there's a moment where um, Hadrian stabs a man's eye out for his opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, Marcus is a child. He sees us and he said, that was wrong. Yeah. That was wrong. And uh, he was the only one, this child, who had, you know, the cojones to speak up and say, no, I'm, I'm not going to stand for that. And he, Hadrian admired that, as crazy as he was. Uh, and he called him Verismus, which means the truest of all. Yeah. I so, think uh, the kids have got that innate in them. You know, when, when injustice happens, they, 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 a lot of kids do shout, call out, call out for what it is. Yeah. Yeah, because there's, no, uh, there's no fear there. Yeah, um, and it's a beautiful graphic novel um, illustrated by uh, Zé Nuno Fraga yeah. it's a mouthful um, and it it's a it's a sweeping bioepic though so it plays out like a film okay. and I hope to see a film from it that'd be great yeah. um, beautifully colored pages um, I'm hoping we can get some alternate covers, like a hardback going. I've been working with uh, the St. Martin's uh, marketing team, but uh, it's it's going to be a conversation piece. Uh, let's see how many pages. I think it's a 200 some page graphic novel. But when my involvement in it was when I first reached out to Donald Robertson because I had read How to Think Like a Roman Emperor. Absolutely love the book, and I had followed him on social media, and I noticed that you know I've been working in comic book publishing for about nine years. 
Okay, yeah. And I've been in comic book editing and I saw this and I said, wow, that's awesome. You know, how how can I be a part of that? Or how, you know, um, I didn't know if he had any experience in comics or graphic novels before that. And anyone will tell you, um, it takes a village. It's a, it's a big production to put something like this together. So I had reached out to him and said, you know, I love the book, told him how much it meant to me and said, you know, I would love to offer you at least proofreading services, you know, free, whatever you want. Yeah. And he said, well, I see that you've written horror. So some of these pages do um, are meant to be have a horror impact, but don't exactly land the way we want them to. For instance, Hadrian has a nightmare in which he can't decipher you know the nightmare from reality so he questions whether or not it was real it's a horrific nightmare and you can see it in the largest panel on the page and um it's beautifully illustrated but uh he originally he had woken up in a dimly lit room and there was a guard right next to him and then he questions whether or not it was real i'm like "Mm -mm, no because the scariest thing about waking up from nightmare is you're in isolation in the dark yeah, yeah, it's interesting. So I, we, there's nobody there to get the ask at. Yeah, right. You know, he has to be. Uh, by the way, he's bleeding profusely from the nose. Yeah. So um, I said, yeah, that's the, it. Just looked like he just woke up with a bit of a nose. We'd like, was it a dream? The guard's like, oh my god, you know, like no, that's not gonna fly. So I'm like, close in on the face side. It's just only his pure reaction in the dark. Get rid of the guard, and it landed because it's like oh i felt like that before too so you have to be able to identify with that kind of horror intention and so then you said well you know you're hired so i um had some uh i I attributed to content editing as a freelancer so we tweaked some pages and like well you know this found windows of opportunity where we could expand upon the way a page would make you feel Mm -hmm. that's interesting real interesting and was the due date for that? The June due date? Yeah. You know, um, I can't remember. I think it was it's beginning, in, beginning of June. I think it was the first week. And pre-orders are out on Amazon, right? Yep. Amazon, uh, Macmillan, or um, St. Martin's Press. You can order it at uh, any of those. Right. So tell me uh, about the, the other book, The 365 Days. Yeah. Yes, 365 Ways to Be More Stoic with CBT Therapist Tim LeBon. So that's a wonderful opportunity. So similar to the Daily Stoic, yeah. it does have, um, have daily excerpts. However, um, I feel like Ryan Holiday, and I say this all the time, he has a market cornered, and he has a market cornered very well. And that is the young male upstart, or the entrepreneur. Um, and it i'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that but you know i think you know well where's stoicism for the single mom yeah where's stoicism for the guy who's going into retirement where's stoicism for the student and um uh so we're coming at it from um different angles and giving um more relatable scenarios there but also um tim gives us Uh, exercises, because I do believe if you're going to adopt a new framework to your outlook, that takes practice. So he offers um, a CBT uh, exercise every other entry or nearly every other entry um, that you can do. And so it's a very interactive um, daily uh, journal. So um, I'm very excited about that. Working with Tim has been great. 
uh, I met him in London. Um, he, the sweetest guy ever, very English, very English. <laughs> uh, and I like working with him because he's the academic. And so he'll rate these entries and I'll sort of funnel it through the filter of the every girl okay. and make it a little more relatable. Okay. And um, it's, it's been a lot of fun. I think we're going to create something really awesome. The book is uh, due for print. Uh, it goes off to the printer in May. Okay. Um, so it will probably be available this winter. Brilliant. That's excellent. I'm really looking forward to that. I'll yeah, be coming to reading the because I mean I do like Brian Holiday's uh, book, the daily, you know, the daily stoic that, but I would like to supplement that with something else as well. You know. Yeah, I I love the daily stoic. Yeah, don't get me wrong, um, and I I I like that we can use that as sort of um, a catalyst for this book, um, and yeah, three hundred sixty-five ways, I think, especially working with Tim. Like I now I read excerpts from it online. And, um, you know, we try to think of those scenarios that you wouldn't necessarily think of when it comes to stoicism. And he has a chapter I was editing just recently where he focuses a lot on Seneca. And Seneca has, you know, in his letters to his friends and his relatives, puts a lot of emphasis on death and time management, um, which is definitely you can have modern applications there all day long. Um, and recently, now, I don't know if this is going to make it into the final cut of the book, so don't quote me, but I thought of how, well, how about respecting other people's time? And what's a scenario in which that's kind of hard to do is if you're hanging on to a relationship that you know is toxic or that you are not into anymore because you don't want to embrace the discomfort yeah. of hurting someone else's feelings. Well, we, we don't realize that that is a great injustice to both of you. So, um, you know, I talk about how, you know, what Seneca has to say about that. And, you know, listen, if you embrace this discomfort now, you know, um, premeditation menorum is a good way to build up to leave a relationship and keep in mind that you are not only freeing yourself, but you're freeing that person that could be out finding a happier relationship in yeah. which they're loved the way that they deserve to be. Yeah, yeah. And cognitive rehearsal, which is an, another way of saying it, is saying, well, it takes power away from the reaction that they're going to have. Because number one, you can't control the reaction. That's an external factor. Yeah. And you yeah. know your intention. Your intention is not to hurt this person. Yeah. Are they going to be bummed out? Hell yeah, they are. Are they going to get over it? Are you giving them room to cope? Yeah. And it's going to be, it's going to be over for you. It's going to be over for them. Time heals all wounds. And you're going to be so happy that you did that. And they're going to, later on, they're going to be happy that you did that too. Absolutely. That's a very, you know? very thing. That's excellent. I really, really like it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Really good. I'm going to, I'm going to wrap up with a discussion on, the current climate and what, what you've been doing to get through it. So the last couple of years have been quite challenging for me um, with the, the global pandemic, you know, mental health still been the greatest uh, external factors. Been about my son um, and behaviours and actions that he, he was participating in, which wasn't good. And, um, and the, the knock-on effect of that, I can go into some of the examples which helped me, but which, which stuff has helped you in the last couple of years to get through other stuff you've been through? No, just 
negative things because I know there's a lot of positive things, but those positive things would have been hard. Like obviously starting up the new foundation and the Plato Academy is obviously challenging. Get back to school is obviously challenging. Copyright the global pandemic, which is challenging. You know, um, different relationships with people and that's obviously challenging. So what have you? What's helped you get through all that? I think Marcus's words in the tone of Epictetus, because Epictetus kind of gives it to you straight, no chaser. So I have to imagine like the two combined and saying like, listen, these times are temporary, you know, and, um, you know, there's a lot of impermanence into, well, not only, we only stress impermanence when it comes to, you know, the good times, but we have to remember the hard times aren't going to last either. You know, and I truly believe that we're sliding into home on, you know, with the Omicron variant um, because it's a much lesser strain and everybody's getting it. I feel like the virus is losing steam. That is my hope. Again, I'm I'm not an expert on that. But um, so I, I know during the pandemic, you know, the things that I could control were what's next. And, you know, I can't control the fact that, um, you know, I, I can't do a lot of the things that I used to do or in the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah. But uh, but I also have to look at the new opportunities that I have. Well, I had the opportunity to go back to school online. And I did. I had all that time, you know, off work, you know. So um, and also realizing that it's not all relative for everybody, that what broke my heart the most was people losing their businesses. Yeah. And still, are. Um, well, yeah. And still are. Yep. Yeah, restaurants, everything. I mean, other people took a, a took it a lot harder than I did. You know, I had a lot of advantages. Yeah. Um, so Music. it's keeping that in perspective, too. Yeah. They struggle musicians as well. They get no venues to play in. You know, performance. Yeah. But, but again, it's, it's all about how you deal with the card you've been dealt. Well, you know, what can I do to turn this into a positive? You know, I know that a lot of musicians, you know, um, turned to holding virtual events, virtual concerts, um, or even a lot of them became like music producers um, who were making custom tracks for people. I know that that's something that my nephew does. And um, so, you know, it, it expands your horizons when you only have limited options. Yeah. I had a friend of mine, he came up with an ingenious idea. What he does, he invites. He would sell these services to go to garden parties and play for crowds at parties. You know, people outside at garden parties, he would tell the guitar, they would play songs and that. I done pretty well with it. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, being outside, the outside venues. Of course, you can't do like festivals anymore, but things like that. Yeah. And you feel feel normal again. Yeah. I think it's uh, it's, it's, it's the quote here, but Keaton's talked about, you know, what, what, what role we've been assigned. And when we've been assigned that role, we'd love that role to the best of ability. Now, that role doesn't say that that's going to be static. You know, things change. You know, you could become, mm-hmm. you could be in one line of business and then because something's happened there, you change the other line of business. But the roles just change and it's about you and that role, trying to be the best person of you, trying to live up to virtuous, um, you know, characters, characteristics and being the best that you can be. And it's, it's, uh, it's hard to do but very, very worthwhile, you know? Yeah, I went, um, I took over my friend's editing business um, just to still stay involved in comics and other indie publications. And I found a lot of reward in, um, 
it, it lifted other people, you know, it, like I was able to offer my experience and my skill to somebody else's story and then watch them see success with that story. I'm like, wow, you know, I, I helped somebody else, you know, sharpen their skills with my skills. And so it became like a community thing. Um, and then that led on to other opportunities. So there's a lot of things that would not have happened in my life had it not been for the pandemic, you know, and I, I've been very, very blessed, very blessed. Um, so. Yeah, I'm the same. You know, it's like, even though there was, um, there was a lot of, for me, the, the, the issues I've had have not really been around about the pandemic. It's been, it's been more personal issues related to people that I love, you know, in particular this one. And, yeah, and it was this recognition, you know. I know what's within my powers, you know, my actions, my judgments, you know, what I want to a degree, what I don't want to a degree, you know. What I mean? um, right. And a lot of self introspection. So you've been a lot your, of introspection. Yeah, you've got your own value consensus that you want to live up to, and you've got your ideal values, and you're hoping that your son's going to take on similar values. But historically, we've seen, you know, I mean, greater people than me have have had sons that have went a bit wayward, you know. Prime example is Marcus Aurelius, you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. One of the greatest emperors, his son's probably one of the worst emperors, you know what I mean? And I don't think my son's going to go anywhere near as, as, uh, as bad as uh, communist, but but, um, but it just shows you that it doesn't matter what happens. You can lead a horse to water, but it's up, for, up to you to, um, to make the right actions. If the people in a book you don't, then it's not on you either. You can only do your best, you know what I mean? And, uh, right. That accumulation that I mean, he was at my son, and it's, it's something I don't know. I've never spoken about the podcast before, but I'll, I'll speak about it because the people need to know that no matter what's going on in your life, you can get through situations that are very challenging. You know, the, the situation I had with my son was, um, he, 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 went, he, missed, he, went, he disappeared for, for three days. He went missing for three days. Oh my God. Um, and please, for it was so, um, it was very, very harrowing, you know, knowing know your son. At that time, he was only 14. And uh, he came to the house. Obviously, I wasn't very pleased with it. And then he, later on in the day, he tried to take his own life. You know, and it wasn't a, just a, it wasn't a, a, a cry for help. It was a proper, you know, he, he could have died. And I had to go and sit in the hospital for five days. Not had to, I wanted to, you know what I mean? Yeah. You sit and you, and you be there for me. And it was like this, when this stuff was happening, this is for listeners to know that, no matter what's going on, like, you can get through this, and it's stoicism will massively help with that. And what I did is um, I sat with my son holding his hand and recognised, you know, I've got the power today over my actions to be here for my child, you know, who I love and care for daily. Um, I, I've got the actions to see, that, see this for what it is, you know. Is, what's the impression here? The impression is that it could be a lot worse, you know, and I had to question the impression because uh, I was feeling sorry for myself a lot of it. Um, why is this happening to me? Even it wasn't about me, it was my son, you know. But, uh, yeah. And I had to, I took a lot of the, the virtues on that, that still said the advocates, you know, it's like the courage to be there when I, when I didn't yes. want to. I wanted to go to sleep. Casey, I didn't want to, I wanted to go to sleep for six months and wake up and I think it was okay, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, that's the way I felt at that particular time. You know, I had to look at justice. I'm here for one, not just a fellow, my own son was one of the human beings, you know. Um, yeah. And just, you know, those great virtues that kept me going and, and recognising me within my power and that. And it was, and it was challenging, it was difficult, you know, and, and it was, and, and my mental health took a, a wee dip after it. Um, and that's why I'm just back for season two because there's a lot going on, you know, and I, and I the, the podcast yeah. put aside for a while. But I'm right. so glad I came back the night and discussed um, with you 
different aspects of what's been happening both in our lives and show to listeners that listen. There's a lot of good things out there for you, but there's going to be challenges along the way. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. it's like you gave that mountain analogy. It's, it's a great analogy. And what I find with, with mountains, you know, a mountain is just an analogy for life. You know, it's like the destination most people think is to get to the top of the mountain. But what they'll find on the route of that journey is that when they start traveling up a mountain, there's so many false summits. You think you're there, right? You think <laughs> you're there. You think you've arrived. You know, Casey, I stay in Scotland. There's, there's lots of Monroe's over here. There's lots of mountains. Um, and I find I've climbed over 100 Monroe's in Scotland. So I've done quite a few. And then and for anybody that's done Monroe's or anybody that's climbed any mountain for that, for that reason, they'll tell you the same thing. It's like you think that you're getting, you think the top that, as a Scottish saying, you, you think you're near the top. You know, you're near the top of the mountain. And uh, but as you go in, you feel when you're getting closer to the top, you find it's just another false summit. There's another bit to go. And that's the same in life, you know, it's like and it's and it's and it's difficult at times, you know, life is the mountain. You're struggling by your son's doing things that's no you're no thinking the best for him, you know, and you and you need to recognise that he's his own rational agent that's going to have to learn through maybe some hardships himself. You know, like you've had to learn through hardships with with the, the, the weight loss that you got and, the, and how uh, challenging that was. But that was just a mountain to get to, but the, the, you've, not, you've not reached the top, you've not reached the destination. It's an ongoing process, you know what I mean? It's, it's, right. it's just peaks and troughs, peaks and troughs all the way. And I myself, I'm not a finished article, I know that you're not a finished article, but where I've got a great template, and I know that you've got a great template too, is that stoicism is a philosophy, gives me that. Uh, recognition that the mountains they always there. You know, it's like Marcus Aurelius talks about um, you know, that the idea that life is more like a wrestling match than a dance, you know. And I can relate mm -hmm. to that and, I, and the mountain analogy for that really kind of sums it up, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, as it pertains to um, you know, for one thing, well you're right, it's about the journey and you don't ever want to reach the top because then it's over. That's it. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. As a Scottish saying, you're pan breed. That means you're dead. You're dead. You know? You're dead. You're yeah. dead. <laughs> you're dead. You're dead. Right, right. And as, as it pertains to to you know your son or anybody who has to sit by someone's side, not has to, but sits by someone's side, and they're like, you want to control this situation and what's happening, and you know that you can't. But that's where I believe that um you know compassion and empathy come in because it's about you might know you might think you know what is best for this person to change the situation but again like you know you say you can't force things onto people you know but what you can say or you, you can ask you have to ask the right questions and now i'm not a parent but if, if it's a friend if it's a you know a loved one you know what have you it's about saying what can i do to help you yeah, yeah, because we're here to lift each other up. We're, you know, we're here to be charitable, and you know, um, this goes for anybody within our community. Like, if I have the resources, then I will, you know, I will do what is in my power to help you. And some people, I think, that are in those moments of despair, feel like they're not understood, feel like they're not heard, and don't know how to articulate how they feel. Well, it takes a minute to say, well. You tell me, you tell me, how can I help you? And then I think just that, just asking that question alone 
um, makes people feel like they're not as isolated. You know, it's like, listen, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I know how you feel, or I, I can say all day long that I've been in your shoes before, but that doesn't matter. What matters is what you tell me, or you tell me how, how can I help you and know that I am here and that you are not alone. Yeah. And I think that is, is, is a key essence um, of what, what um, stoicism is all about. You know, mm-hmm. it's about that being there for others. You know. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. So it's, it's, it's not an I, it's not an I philosophy, it's a we philosophy. Mm-hmm. I love that. You know? Well, Casey Pierce, I think that's uh, we'll wrap it up at that. That's been one awesome, awesome. Um, yes, thank you again. It's been it, I'm on, uh, now season. I was the second episode in season one, yeah. and what episode is this for season oh, two? That's the first one back. So this is the first back. You're you're the first back. Hey, awesome! That's oh. awesome. Thank you again for the wonderful opportunity. I love being on the show. I'll get I'll get I talk to you um, after both. Um, Included the with the the episode, and I'll, I'll get some ideas for some people in the next few weeks and um, discuss some awesome. And and to close, we talked about um, the Socratic method and approaching things uh, more rationally and building better arguments. There is a free online course right now that you can take um, at platosacademy.org. If you can sign up for it and enroll for free. And uh, I'm very excited about this course. So again, that's at platosacademy.org. Okay. Is there any other ways to get you, contact you, any directly? Or is that the best, best route to get you through? Platos? Oh, you can. I'm, I'm all over social media, uh, me personally. Yeah. Um, you can uh, you can email me if it's about Plato's Academy at Casey at platosacademy.org. So that's easy to remember, K-A-S-E-Y. And uh, let's see, if uh, if you want to reach out to me about anything else, you know, I'm on I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I'll try to be as responsive as possible, uh, but I do have a lot going on. <laughs> but uh, yeah, people can feel free to, to, to reach out to me there as well. And Zach just to just the look to Casey Fields, yeah. Yes. Yes, and I, I post updates all the time about. Uh, I, I post little videos of excerpts from Three Hundred Sixty Five Ways to give everybody a taste oh, too. I so I love your videos on Instagram. Uh, I have a lot of fun with those. I have a lot of fun with that. So. Oh, thanks, Casey. It's been it's been great to get you back on, and I'm sure I'll get you on again, maybe season three, maybe before then, because um, get one in my. Maybe we'll be at Plato's Academy. Maybe Plato's Academy sounds good. When yeah, is you, it? Can, you can come to Athens. No, I'd, I'd love to and come. And we'll when? do the interview there. When are you going over again? When's the next time? Uh, I'm going over in uh, March. Right, so. Got to take care. Care okay. some more business. You've got a big maybe for me coming over there. So. <laughs> I hope to see you there. Yeah, yeah. Listen, thanks a lot, Casey. And, uh, and thank you. Thanks again. I'll try and go in again the next couple of weeks with a new guest. Still to be announced yet. So it's good to see everybody back for season two. And I hope everybody enjoyed the episode. So peace out and I'll catch up with you all soon. Thank you.